0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hey, hey, good evening and welcome everyone to Madame Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you. The podcast where the most fascinating people meet. And I am your host, your groove mistress, your spiritual advisor, Madam Perry. But you can call me Jen or Jennifer or J mod I am just happy to be here, and I'm happy, and I know I've been saying this a lot lately, but I have to say it because it's true, is that I just want to thank everyone who's been listening, who's been subscribing. Now, if you're listening live on Blog Talk Radio tonight and you haven't subscribed, but if you're listening live and you're looking at the screen on computer or your phone or whatever... um, you can see up there there's a pink rectangle, and the white letters on it say follow. And if you feel so inclined, please click that follow button and follow the podcast. That way you'll know what's going on, what's happening. Um, or you can go to uh, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, whether it's Podbean, Stitcher, Apple iTunes. You can also follow on there as well. And I think some Stitcher and iTunes you can leave a review of what you think of the show, um, and, and I hope it's good. If not, then I need to know about it, but yeah, you can just leave a review, and that's nice, too, but people have been downloading it and sharing it, and that helps the show grow and helps me to continue to get great guests like I've been having lately, like I've got coming up, and, of course, like I have tonight. Um, another thing, too, is, um, let's see, what was I talking about? Um, podcast follow. Oh, if you also want, you can go over to uh, Facebook. I have a page for Madam Perry Salon on Facebook, and you can go there and subscribe or like. I think it's liking it, and that way you'll see on the events page who's coming when or what they're about, and also on Twitter, too, and Instagram. There's something for Madam Perry or Madam Perry Salon, because I have been so fortunate to get such great people, and and I even like it when I get emails and messages going. Where do you get these people? You know, how do you get guests like this? Well, it's because I have listeners like you that make it, uh, make it fun and make the guests and make the guests feel welcome. That's what I almost always get whenever I've had somebody on. They always send me a message afterwards saying, "Wow, that was fun," and I like your listeners, and they have, um, they have considerate and intelligent comments and questions, and they're fun and enjoyable, so it's because of you. Now, oh, and uh, specials coming up, you know, don't forget, don't forget, uh, there's a lot of people who have been on here who have things that they give away or give discounts on. Um, I was talking a few weeks ago with um, Mike Campese, guitarist for Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and uh, we were mentioned the film The Wrecking Crew. And if you want to go to the website, I think if you still mention Madame Perry Salon, they'll give you a discount on the video or the uh, the DV, uh, see uh, Excuse me, DVDs or video, in whatever format um, you want that they offer. Just because you mentioned Madame Perry Salon. Also, David Fishoff. If you go to his Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and um, I don't know who it's. Last year at this time, it was Judas Priest. Uh, sometimes he has Roger Daltrey um, is on there a lot with him. And if you go there though, so, and you sign up for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and once you and if you mention Madame Perry Salon, that's where you heard it. Then after you pay, once you get there to the Fantasy Camp, David will give you a guitar worth seven hundred dollars, just because you mentioned Madame Perry Salon when you signed up for it. And also, Franny Goldie, uh, she's still giving a a discount on those pants, those fabulous magic pants. I she sent me mine in the mail, they're great. So just mention M just put in there, she said type in M P S from Madame Perry Salon, you get a discount there and all kinds of all kinds of good stuff. Um because I was saying uh so many interesting guests and I find um so many authors now have their own different styles and different ways of uh, launching or introducing their books to the world, and it's really cool. And one thing I've seen is still kind of new to me, and I'm a publicist, so this is still fairly new, is the online launches, and they might last a few hours or a day or something. But these are quite fascinating things, and they um, involve other people in there with another author or someone. And sometimes there are giveaways, there's information, it's interactive, and, which I love. And tonight's guest did the same thing. Now, though she was born in Oklahoma, raised in Texas, she's in Arizona now. So some of you, if you're in Arizona, you may know her. And maybe you know her from other, um, from other common interests, and we'll be bringing that up later too. But I am so thrilled to have her here because um, I've just gotten to know her a few months ago. I'm incredibly impressed with the concept for her book and also how that uh, ties in with one of her personal interests. But she's, uh, her new book is called It Happened in the Cove. It's the first of a trilogy. Uh, this is the first book um, in the trilogy. It's kind of a, she calls it sort of a genre mashup, a sci-fi, urban fantasy romance for young adults, new adults. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people do blending uh, more genres like that, which is, when it's well done, like this one is, it's just like the having a gift. So let me go ahead and introduce this author, A. L. Walker. Come on in, Andrea. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Well you, of course you've been here before. You've been here as a as um um on here with me as a co host once and uh and called in and talked to different guests, but this is the time that I finally get to feature you, so it's like welcome and welcome back. Definitely very glad to be here. <laughs> well, the first thing I want to say is congratulations, because um, I, you know, I write creative nonfiction. But I can't, I have such great admiration for people who write fiction and who write it well, uh, as you do. And so um, congratulations on the first book of the trilogy, uh, It ha- What Happened in the Cove. I don't know why I keep saying it happened. What Happened in the Cove? Uh, i'm so sorry i do this a lot and i apologize but when sasquatch detective the comic book writer was on i kept calling it the sasquatch detective no it was sasquatch but anyway what <laughs> happened in the cove um i understand uh from what i've seen and i'm not don't worry i'm not going to be i'm not going to be giving out it. um i'm not going to spoil anything uh, what happened in the cove revolves around a suicidal earth girl who meets an alien who has escaped from less than ideal circumstances, which is also what she was sort of in. So, um, this is really your first novel?
2: Yes, it definitely is. Um, I've kind of been writing in my head for years, but yeah, this is my actually first in print published novel.
0: Well, that's yeah, fantastic. And,
1: was... and I hear a lot of that people say they've been writing in their head or they've been thinking of stories or creating and or maybe. Uh, make it up to tell the kids, you know, as they go along. And So how, what, what influenced you to go ahead and get it down, get it on paper, get it published to share to the world?
2: Well, part of it was just that I was getting a little older, and I felt like I hadn't accomplished the things I wanted to accomplish for myself. I had, done, you know, taken care of my kids, taking care of my husband, taking care of the people at the job I was working at, but I never really took care of myself or did what I wanted to do, and I got to a position in my life that I could d- take some time off, and I decided I was going to go ahead and write that book I always wanted to write, so well, here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I hear a lot of that from other women. Um women. Probably some men, too, I think, have that feeling, but it's uh, um, yeah, we get this kind of, okay, It's clock's not going backwards. Let's get this done. You know, this stuff stuff that we want to get done. Um, I'm going to read the summary of um, what happened in the cove. Do do you mind if I read it, or did you? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, Okay, so what happened in the cove? And and by the way, folks, if you when you see the cover, this is what's so cool. And it has a and of course it has to do with the story. It's based on the story, but the images on the cover are supposed to be like an old abandoned, um, it's like a carnival or a circus or amusement park, right? That's right,
2: right, and it's alongside of a a, a canal of some sort,
1: which is interesting because. You know, sometimes as a, every now and then I'll see either on Pinterest or somewhere on, on um, somewhere on the internet people will say will show scenes of like maybe abandoned malls or abandoned theme parks or um, amusement parks and say look how creepy. But it, it, to me it's just it's um, one of those things where it's, it's a kind of a sadness and kind of a beauty because there's a history there and you feel like there's like ghosts of people and situations and so forth there. And so you set up the image for us right there that we're going into um, a world with, uh, with some undertones. And definitely.
2: And, yeah, this particular book, um, it is partly inspired when all the times when I went to, car, like, abandoned places and, as well as brand-new carnivals and took my kids to places like that. We used to explore. We used to find all different kinds of interesting little things and of course, there was always that little bit of "Who is there a ghost here?" <laughs> so and I tried to to pass some of that into this book as well. so
1: all right, well let's see. I'm sick so the the summary is although Bria had escaped from her abusive past, life in the states was still empty. She thought her horrible life would finally be over by her own hands, thrust into a life he never asked for. Losing everything he had once held dear, Frane, who resembles an exotic bird, must find his own way in a hostile universe he never knew existed after escaping his captors. Their unexpected meeting in an abandoned amusement park changes both, but can they survive? This is a fairy tale that rejects the traditional tropes of masculine and feminine in favor of pure fantasy and escape for readers who are ultra-sensitive to violence, upset, and reminders of traditional mores. Theirs is a story of healing from abuse, of finding new hope in strange places, of exploring their cultures and spirituality, and of reconciling their past with what they learn together. That's right. That's Thank you very much. fresh, you know, because I don't, you know, if you read a lot, and I do, and mm-hmm. I, or number one, I know you do, for people who read a lot, sometimes you see repeated things and you think, oh, not that again. But this is totally fresh. Yeah,
2: and it's one reason I decided to self-publish because when I first um, felt out there, I was thinking about going to an agent. However, um, my editor, as well as a few agents, did give me the feedback that, you know, this is something that really hasn't been tried before. A lot of the traditional, you know, fairy tales, you've got a really strong man and a girl who tames him. In this case, it's kind of the opposite. Um, Bria is a very strong girl, whereas Freyan has already suffered a lot and isn't really strong and in need of being tamed. So instead, he's in need of healing. So it is a little, a little bit different twist on things.
1: I like that mix. And, and what did you? Why is it set in an abandoned amusement park?
2: Well, um, partly because it's it's a good place. Obviously, <laughs> if you were yeah. set down in the middle of a busy city, it'd be a totally different story. Um, actually, the next book will go into that a little bit, just as a little bit of a hint of what's to come. But um, it is that kind of feeling of both abandonment but past happiness that I really always felt when I got, went into an abandoned place and explored it. It also represented new things and new learning to me, which, of course, both of these characters are learning new things. So, And also with the isolation, there is a lot of isolation in the book because a lot of my life I was isolated when I was younger, and I got my... Thrills from abandoned, you know, places and exploring things, rather than, you know, going to social events and parties and such like. I was kind of a nerd.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I think those of those who don't have, uh, who who aren't like in the middle of things and popular and active, I think we end up having. Uh, well, I think we're more because we're certainly far more self-reliant in our lives, and also as well as having good imaginations. Um, who were some of your favorite authors? Oh, goodness, I
2: have so many, (laughs) so many, so many of them. But, um, R.A. Salvatore was one that for many, many years, definitely was, could be the top of my list of favorite authors, um, I've enjoyed a lot of different fantasy works by Richard Stevens, for instance. Artie Trimble also makes a good series. Um, it's mostly for middle eight you know, elementary school level. However, my kids, of course, I have two teen boys and I read all their books when they had it, you know, the Wimpy kids series and all those I <laughs> know I enjoyed them. I mean, I don't care what it is, I'll read it. <laughs> so but um, it, yeah, I it also had a lot of nonfiction I used to read. I used to devour picture books, for instance, in the library of different animals or whatever. I wanted to have a different career every ten minutes because of those books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's so much to explore, right? So, oh yeah. <laughs> were you were you a fan of science fiction or fantasy when you were young, when you were in school?
2: Uh, yes, uh, my daughter was an avid science fiction fantasy reader. So, I, you know, from when I was very young, I can remember, you know, he had a whole room dedicated to books and bookshelves. So it was like kind of living in a mini library. And, yeah, I picked up early on. I picked up my first Stephen King, for instance, when I was probably about eight. And, unfortunately, it was Cujo. It wasn't really – I was eight, and I had already read, like, so many dog books. I was a Jim Kielgaard fan. I don't know if you know who that is, but he wrote a series of books that Disney later made into one of them into a movie. Um, but it was about Irish setters, and unfortunately, Cujo is not very scientific, and I knew all about rabies and all that because of all my book reading, and I was like, this book is stupid. It, this, private dogs don't act like that. I didn't actually pick up a Stephen King book for a long time. It wasn't. I think Misery was the one I read, and it was actually decent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's pretty funny what a what a kid could, could actually do to one of those books. But yeah, my dad had all the the classics, Isaac Asimov and all those guys. Um, Richard Matheson was a big favorite of mine because mostly because he wrote short stories. And you know, when I was really young, those were a little better. <laughs> and, it, it, Isaac Asimov was a little too heavy when I was nine. Like I don't know what this guy's talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so um, you know, okay, well talking to go back back about the uh the the uh, subjects of the book and the two main characters, um there's sure. Bria who's an, who's an Earth woman and uh and Frame, who is he's uh um he's he resembles an exotic bird, so I'm guessing he's is he from Earth or whatever. And also, before I get to the to the question mark on the end of that, And I get to where I need to know how you created his character, and does it have anything to do with the fact that you have pet birds?
2: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm addicted to, to small parrots. I love cockatiels and conures especially, um, I had parakeets when I was a kid uh, for years and years. And, yes, I had a huge fascination with dinosaurs as well because, well, dinosaurs are birds. They really are. Um, and, matter of fact, I just recently, I have an article coming out in Prehistoric Magazine that, that is how parrots got their wings. And, basically, fraying is kind of an extension of that. It's like, well, what would have happened instead of, you know, monkeys, gorillas or whatever having that link to humans. What what if we had been burnt? What if the T Rex had, you know, evolved into something sapient like a human being? What would they do? What would they look like? How would they live, you know?
0: Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's
2: definitely, yes. Yeah, it's a lot to do with All it. All right, <laughs> I
1: get that. Let's let's hold that thought for a second. Um I'm talking if you're listening live right now on July fifteenth, twenty nineteen, uh five nineteen p.m. Pacific and 8:19 p.m. Eastern listen to us live and you want to call in with a question or a comment or just say congratulations on the new book to Andrea the number is 646-716-9922. that's 646-716-9922. blog talk radio assures me it is a toll-free call in the continental US okay so um, I'm sorry I caught call- you as an author you know your name is al walker do you mind i called you andrea not at all okay it's out there <laughs> it's no secret <laughs> oh, okay. all right all right the secret's out so 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 I'm going to make sure too that you also know that i will be sharing um links to for social media, Andrea's social media on all of my social media, and when your article uh, comes out in Prehistoric Magazine, I'll be sharing the link to that as well. Because that is that has got major cool cred right there, and do you, I gotta I gotta believe that your sons are excited about that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, my oldest son helped me by pr- proofreading it for me and making sure it was all ready to go.
1: <laughs> nice. All right, so um where was my question there? I was going somewhere with the idea about parrots uh birds, and the um character of frame being based on a bird, and you know what, as I often do if if you know me and I think you kind of know me um I sort of lost my own plot there um mm-hmm. Where was I going with the idea of the uh birds?
2: Well, you <laughs> pick it up and pick it back. <laughs> Certainly. Birds, dinosaurs, yeah, but, everything. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am addicted to small parrots. I could probably talk for hours on proper care and all the weird antics they do and everything else. <laughs> but I'm not sure how fast, unless you're, you know, really into birds. So I could probably get on of <laughs> end after a while. So, What kind of antics? Yeah. How, many,
1: how many do you have right now? Um, I have
2: four. Um, I have three cockatiels and I have a conure.
1: Um, two of
2: the cockatiels are tame. One of them is not. He's he's kind of. He was a rescue and he's very scared, very skittish of people. He was most likely a breeder and that was rescued, so he probably didn't have any contact with people that much. Mm-hmm. And then, as um, I I have a conure who is a female and she's, she's just crazy. So she's <laughs> <laughs> just plain crazy.
1: <laughs> so so now if you've got the cockatiels if you've got two that are tame and one that is that is not i mean how do they react i hope they all do well together I hope that the two tameless don't go oh you're such a beast you're so you know you're so unrefined that they're not snobby to to that one are they
2: no, he's actually an older bird, so they, they kind of follow him around like, like an a old guide or something, an old mentor. He shows them kind of new places. If he goes there first, it oh. must be safe kind of thing. And yeah, <laughs> and he tries to to get them in line when they're not behaving, for instance, if they don't want to go to bed, because he's really prompt about making sure he goes to bed, <laughs> things like that. But this is a part so of the odd odd birds make- don't hear, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they definitely have little personalities. They're big too much for their little bodies sometimes. <laughs> They're definitely little dinosaurs. <sighs> yeah, if you ever want to know what owning a dinosaur or a T. Rex is like, yeah, a, a small parrot will do it. A bigger parrot will do it even parrot. more, but that can be scary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, okay. Oh, and I forgot to mention too. If you also, if you're listening and you, uh. You don't have time to call in because you're, say, at a day job or babysitting someplace where you got to be quiet or can't be caught on the phone. Uh, you can also send me a message through Madam Perry's salon on Facebook or Jennifer Modet Perry on Facebook, and we I'll, or I will be happy to share that with Andrea Walker. Now, here's another thing um, that... I'm learning all sorts of uh, interesting facts about you, and I think all these things that interest a writer, they've got to to somehow leak into, or blend into, or help stir up the story. Um, you have, I understand, a hobby or fascination with Route 66, and you've actually driven it before.
2: That's right. We actually did take one year where we went all the way from Santa Monica to Chicago. Actually, I think it's supposed to be Chicago to Santa Monica, but we're in Arizona, so <laughs> it's easier to start in Santa Monica. <laughs> and we have indeed drove the entire thing. Um, I've been to the, also to the Route 66 like various locations several times because there we always had to drive to Texas to visit my family, and we always took that northern route because I just love the scenery. I love all the little roadside attractions, all the history. So it's a way, for instance, I can reconnect with my father who's deceased because when he was younger, he was actually born in 1932 and lived through the end of the Dust Bowl. And he actually did try to go to California, which was the same route that Route 66 is, and were turned back and everything. They lived in tents along the road. My father got in trouble once, for instance, for digging holes at the bottom of the tent. So, no. him and his brothers. So, so, it's a way I can reconnect with my dad, too, because that is the exact same road that the, all the travelers tried to take to get to California away from the Dust Bowl. So.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's the story. So, as corny as this might sound, so did you sing the song when you were on the ride?
2: Oh yeah, we we pulled up all the Route 66 songs we could find, and we're singing with them.
1: <laughs> There's actually three <laughs> or four of them out there,
2: so Love obviously. Louis,
1: more Joplin, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how Winona Ryder? I mean, not no, Winona Ryder, writer. Winona Judd says she came up with her name, her stage name, because don't forget Winona. Yeah,
2: I think so. I remember that. You know who wrote the song? Uh, no, I don't remember <laughs>
1: that's that. Bad. Okay, that's my kind of geek trivia. Bobby Troop. <laughs> and have you ever seen a TV show called Emergency? It's an old 80s show or 70s?
2: No, no, I haven't.
1: Yeah. currently it wasn't yeah, one of you my dad's shows. <laughs> I think it's on MeTV or one of those oldies channels. I think it came on the 70s. Um, Bobby is a TV show called Emergency about some people in the hospital, you know, doctors, and also the EMT and fire people. And one of the doctors, Dr. Early, on there, um, is played by Bobby Troop, band leader and songwriter, who wrote Route 66. And uh, and then you'll see Nurse Dixie McCall in there, played by Julie London, who was his wife, and a great jazz singer. And also she married him after she after she divorced her first husband, Jack Webb of Dragnet. See, I know really geeky. I I got my own geeky trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you want to know it or not. <laughs>
2: That's great though. That's great. That's how we learn new things. <laughs>
1: Very trivia. Yeah, so so I think if we have different areas of trivia that we're good in, that'll make us good for a team somewhere, you know, when we need a trivia team. Exactly. <laughs> Did now because um getting back to your book and of course your book is it's um available for pre order right now from your website. That's right. Okay and so you if can you'll go on give my us,
2: website. Yeah. Yeah, give us your website address. Sure, it's uh, going to be Andrea dot com. You can also get it on Amazon and you can get it on Smashwords and you can get it on Lulu dot com. Okay. And the actual publication date it is supposed to be September 18th and September 19th. Uh, one of them's the ebook, is I think the 18th, and then the paperbacks the 19th.
1: Okay, but you can pre-order now. And I have seen people comment on Facebook, especially Saturday on your launch, that uh, some people had already pre-ordered. So that's good, that's so right. folks. That's a cool thing about the modern age is that you can go ahead and pre-order, and when it comes out, it's it's going to be delivered to you in your email or in your mailbox, your actual mailbox, whatever. You're going to have the book ready to go. Uh, so, yeah, and I'll also be sharing um, the website on all of my social media, as you know, so that if you didn't get it written down or um, you can't write, maybe you're driving or writing or something, you'll have all that information. Hey, you know what? Another cool thing, if you were talking, I was uh, – Checking out things like your the inspiration because I think you know you your inspirations come from a quite a wide range of sources, but like a lot of interesting people's work does. Um, you like Stephen King, I understand, and McCaffrey. Um, yep. But you also get inspiration, I understand, from Mad Magazine and even old Sears catalogs. So that's cool. Tell me about the, half of the Sears catalog.
2: Like I I said
0: earlier,
2: I'll read anything that's not stapled to the floor. Um, If I'm, you know, stuck in a room, I'll read a shampoo bottle or the back of a cleaning bottle. (laughs) But, yeah, so... Uh, my my dad actually had a collection of old Sears catalogs, and those those are absolutely crazy just to read. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're
2: from like eighteen hundreds and things, and they the descriptions of the items, the items themselves. I mean, it just it was like kind of like you know being transported into an older time reading those things. And I I would <laughs> I'd make up stories. Of course, like every child, I went through my Laura Ingalls, you know. Time when I wanted to be a little prairie girl too, and then those catalogs on top of it, I was making up my own, you know, prairie girl stories. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, <So. laughs> you know, I
1: think when I was a kid, I think there was a, um, my parents had. I think it was not the original; it was a replica of like an old Sears catalog. But I remember some of the things they would have in those. Uh, certain medications would be called. They would say these are for women's complaints.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the wording is very funny in some of them. And, Women's and some of the. Late. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, eh, they could be anything. And then you get all the other weird ones like hysteria and all stuff. So like, I was <laughs> like,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> They were wearing their corsets too tight, so they were fainting a lot and they needed the fainting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, or no PMS. Back the then they then. will be okay. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and, anyway. <laughs>
1: and mad magazine i'm just so sad that uh there's not going to be any more fresh issues of mad magazine have you heard that
2: yeah it doesn't surprise me The over time it's been I, just like all print publications you know the online thing kind of killed a lot of it and they've suffered along with the rest but i hold mad magazine a special place in my heart because my, my mom always had the magazine even when i was very young i had you know some people would be like that, that's crazy you shouldn't let a kid read that stuff but it didn't do me any <laughs> harm but uh my mom you know was like well mom why do you like this so much you know and she sat down and told me about the story of william gaines and yeah, you know, I respect that man so much for what he did for censorship and making sure people's freedom of speech is protected and everything that mm-hmm. that that to me, that's enough. I'll be your fan forever. No matter what you
1: put yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yes, a whole sometimes with people like that is a whole lot more behind him than, than we often mm-hmm. know, but things that we should know. I know somebody people have been lamenting it on, on uh, Twitter the last week or couple of weeks and uh what was it, the other day some guy on Twitter said yeah, so for everybody that's whining and acting like, Oh, no more Mad Magazine, when's the last time you actually bought one? You know, and I said, Well actually last month I bought two, one for my twenty five year old nephew and one for myself. So <laughs> I can say Yeah, and yeah,
0: actually yeah.
1: We still yeah, we were buying it up a, the end. Yeah, did you get the last one?
2: I no, we haven't got the last one, so if it's coming it time for it 'cause
1: well, it has right. a nice bit in it done by Jim, comedian Jim Gaffigan and his son.
2: Okay. I'm definitely looking forward to it. The...
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I like Jim Gaffigan, but him and his son put this thing together. Um, and therefore, like, it's more like a, a knocking off on people who, you know, have to change what they eat with every fad. Yeah. So.
2: yeah. <laughs> I know a few of those. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, that's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah I yeah, think I think it's a well, well-rounded mm-hmm. person that has a variety of interests and and influences like that. You think? Yeah. What? What did you discover as as um like you said you've had the stories and you decided to finally sit down, start writing, get the story down on paper, and publish? Did you learn anything? Unusual. I don't think I've ever asked this question before, but like I said, since you've got so many different interests, experiences, um, did you learn anything unexpected or um, about yourself and your own interest while you were writing? What happened in the cove?
2: Um, definitely. First thing, of course, I, I learned is that I can do it. I can sit down and actually write it all out. It always kind of scared me. It's like, uh, it's a hard task. It takes a long time. I used to dread writing essays for school, for instance, but I did prove to myself I can do it. I also learned a lot about you know the self-publishing process and how to market um, an area I had no abilities in or any education in. I learned a lot about myself, for instance, It renewed my, like I said, with my dad, my connection with my parents, um, my dad and my mother, because a lot of this is based on memories. So I'm trying to think what else. (laughs) But yeah, I I definitely did. I learned a lot about myself primarily, but I did um, also meet a lot of interesting people too, though. It's a great way to meet people (laughs) I have found
1: and And how's that like through writers' groups, or
2: exactly through writers' groups, through publishing and promotion groups, through meeting new people through marketing meeting I've met an editor that way, I've met a lot of agents, even though they may not you know handle my book or even handle books like mine. I can still learn so much from them, so I find it to be very valuable, you know any insight they have so It's, yeah, definitely been a great way to meet new people, not just as, you know, working with, but friends too.
1: Yeah, that makes, yeah, that's good. Um, You know, a lot of people talk about, especially once they, I want to say past the high school, past the phone, you know, growing up time, that writing takes such a discipline, such a a manner of self-discipline to be able to juggle it with everything else you've got going on. And different people, uh, successful authors will also tell you they had to come up with a system or a schedule or something like that. Now, I know that, you know, you, like, I, like I said again, and this is one of my favorite things is that you have such varied interests, everything from uh, you like to watch YouTube gamers to you also have a ballet dancer and taught ballet, which to me, as I understand, that's, that's, that's somebody who understands discipline. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. But a lot of my
2: discipline came from working actually in the corporate world. You know, I did have a day job that I had to go to eight to five and for kind of 17 years. So because of it, you know, I was used to getting up at a certain time, going to work at a certain night. I just kept doing it.
1: <laughs> I just would get in there and
2: start working just like it was my regular day job. So, And it's worked
1: so far. So. <laughs> so. So how did you go from having a bachelor's degree in dance to being a stockbroker? I'm I'm just curious Well, I know people have different past Place I'm not saying it doesn't sound like it would work. I'm just saying, what's the path? Because I know it's going to be a good story. Yeah, um, I
2: did. I did have a studio, a dance studio, for a long time, and actually, I kind of ended up sending a lot of my students over to a, a public school program, um, just because of expense. A lot of my students were underserved students and um, I did a little bit of volunteer dancing but unfortunately when I did have my second son I had a lot of medical problems I couldn't actually teach for a while and of course like everybody else I needed to make money (laughs) and I ended up doing you know data entry and eventually did end up at Vanguard, a financial company, for many, many, many years, and while my kids were young and everything, you know, it's really steady pay, unfortunately, and it, it's really sad environment. I could talk for hours about why and how to fix it, but dance is not an industry you can really make a lot of money in. Even if you're a principal dancer at the biggest dance company in the state, you're still not making very much, unfortunately. And so I did have to sac- kind of sacrifice that to-, to make money. Then also the financial world—it's pretty interesting. I-, I started out knowing absolutely nothing about finance now to knowing tons about finance <laughs> and how to budget and everything. It was—it was worthwhile for sure. But again, you know, you get to a certain age and it's like, okay, I've done this for everybody else. Finance was never really my dream. I never really intended on going that direction. I want to do for me now. I want to do something I want to do now. But so, what a great yeah. And I, to learn stayed, about money. That's a good thing. Right. Exactly. It's great. Great information. And I never stopped dancing. I, I once I was able to physically dance again. I danced on my own or and done some volunteer teaching and such. So I've still stayed within it. Still enjoy the the whole ballet scene. So and my youngest son actually um has taken some ballet and dance as well. So.
1: Oh. that's nice. That's good. That's
0: good. Um, <laughs> I had a,
1: I did take like a little, uh, some kind of little dance class for, I think it was for housewives once years ago. And the teacher, one of the teachers, the owner of the studio, he said, well, he said they said, How we, how did you get in this, Patrick? And he said, well, when I was a kid, I had trouble with my feet, like arthritis, even at a young age. So the doctor sent me to ballet, something I guess to strengthen my feet or muscles. And he said, then I get in there and there's Girls, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's for sure. There's girls, and I was the only guy, so I stayed,
2: you know. Right.
1: <laughs> definitely one of the benefits.
2: You know,
1: I just want to say congratulations on your on your book. This is so exciting. Are you already writing your next one?
2: Yes, I am, definitely. I've already started. I've got about quarter done so far, so. The story
1: wasn't ever intended to end.
2: <laughs> Definitely want to get the rest yeah. out, if nothing else but, for um, myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what happened in the cove is, you know, is the first book of a trilogy. So you've already mapped out the the story for three books, and then of course you've got your article uh, coming up soon in prehistoric magazines. And I know you also write for a, um, is it for a writers um, magazine in Phoenix?
2: That's right. I was writing some blogs for uh, Phoenix Publishing and Promotion group, so they are, if you look up Phoenix Publishing and Promotion, they're online.
1: You can see my first blog on there.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. So that's, that's good, because the more you can do, the more you can do for people to find out about you or get to know you, you know, the better, much better it could be. And um what what kind of I tell you what let me ask you this if people call if people want to ask you you know what I've always wanted to do it and you know what happens when you finally when you finally make the decision to do something like this that you wanted to do and then people there's always people that are going to go oh I wish I could do that how did you do it you know what what made you do it what kind of advice would you give to other writers
2: Yeah the main advice besides obviously the discipline is definitely understand you've got to self-promote. I don't care if you have an agent and you're traditionally published or if you're self-published. People need to know you're out there, that you exist, in order to find your product. So you've got to definitely, you know, you're selling a product. It's art, sure. It's your baby, sure. But it's still a product. And you have to treat it as a product. You can't treat it as, you know, your baby. (laughs) So you've got to get out there and get your name out. You've got to do some marketing. You've got to do, just talk to people. Even if it's, you know, handing out your card at a family event or handing out your card, you just happen to be going to a convention or something and handing out your card there. Anything you can. And, And set yourself a goal. Say, I'm going to sell 100 books in this month. And work towards hitting that goal, just as if you were a used car salesperson. So you got to really set that goal and try to get to it. If at the end of the month you haven't, you've got 15 left, you know, start in the streets with those 15 books, get them sold.
1: (laughs) So hey, you know, one more thing I want to say is you now I tell I tell people all the time as a publisher, I say you know you got to find find ways for certain parts of your book or your music to fit in with something else, so you can do a, a, a match. Match up or something like that to um let people know what's going on, but you have a very unusual um, way of promoting your books that takes you to some pretty fascinating conventions. And I wanted to ask about that, but i've got a well, well sorry I had a caller I had a caller up here they dropped off so i'll I'll ask you the question and if the caller comes back we'll we'll, we'll bring them in um and it has to do with your sister. Sure. And this is the Yeah, my sister,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. my sister is a cosplayer. She actually does with a lot of volunteer groups, so you can actually call her a professional cosplayer. Uh, she mostly plays Harley Quinn. She also plays other guys, but that's her main one that she does and that she goes to hot, like children's hospitals and such as Harley Quinn. Well, she's and quite popular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she is, and because she goes to a lot of conventions, you know, comic book conventions, science fiction conventions, Star Trek conventions, you name it, um, a lot of the times they have a similar opportunity. They do have vendor tables also at a lot of conventions. If you volunteer, uh, for instance, I've volunteered a couple of times with various groups, and they'll let me put my card at the end of the table, for instance, my little business card and bookmark. <laughs> so um,
1: I like get- and hey,
2: we've
1: got, sure, go we got our caller. I'm sorry, Hello. I'm sorry, I apologize. Sure, we've got our caller about. Back on the Madam Perry Salon. Come Hi. on in.
0: Tell us who you are. Hi. Hi. I'm not sure how all the technology works. My name is Maria. Hi, Maria, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I was just really intrigued by the title because I'm a big mystery buff. And it says what happened in the cove. And so I wondered, um, is is there a lot of, um, is there mystery involved? Is it um, mostly sci-fi? Um, just kind of letting the author talk a little bit about her book. Because I missed the beginning, the very beginning of your show.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Andrea, you're on. Certainly, Um It's not a
2: mystery per se, however, the name is definitely um, inspired by old mysteries, for instance, like the old public fictions, like the the Shadow Nose, for instance, and the other books like that, because of the fact that I went to Route 66, I like the roadside attractions and everything. And with the pulp fiction, they're very tied in with that. Matter of fact, a lot of the road trips may have pulp fiction, museums, and such. And because of the roadside attraction and everything, that's where I pulled that name through. So you're definitely picking up on the pulp fiction name behind, inspiration behind it.
0: That's exciting. Um, so, is it, do you, what, what, you, what, what would you call the genre? Well, yeah, it is a pretty much of a mashup. It's got
2: a little bit of science fiction in that it has an alien. However, it's not an outer space epic or like a space opera. Um, it's got a little bit of the fantasy, urban fantasy. It is, does take place in an urban, you know, backroads in the basically what would be considered the industrial side of town. And um, so, and it also has the romance between the two main characters. So it's pretty much of a mashup. I couldn't decide
0: what genre I wanted. <laughs> oh, that sounds exciting though. To mix genres like that is, you know, it's really um it's interesting for the reader. Well thank you. Yeah. 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 All, right. All right, thank, thank you, you so very much. That. Um, All right. thank we, you for we're we're dollars. ordering we are ordering the book for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank Yay. you.
1: You're gonna love Bye. it. Thank you so very much for you, and um, Andrea. Thank you so much. We are just about out of time. I think I've kept you longer, but thank you so much. I am so excited your book. What happened in the cove? And people can get it on your website. I will be sharing all of your social media, um, or or all of yours on how to get the book on my social media for anybody listening. And I am just so happy for you this sounds like a it's a great fresh book and uh and story and plot and idea and i really got a i really got a feeling this is going to be an absolute hit so thank you for being my guest thank you